As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Sleeping With The Numbers podcast. This is being recorded on Sunday after the first slate of games. And so the focus of this episode is going to be on uh, that early slate of games. And we're in person. So Pat is sitting right here next to me. And uh, this is a good change of pace. I like this a lot more than virtual. Yes, we won't be talking over one another for once. So for all the... We're not going to do what? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. So we're going to get this kicked off uh, with our question of the day, like usual. And we were checking out the power rankings. And that's where our focus for this question is going to be. So. The question is, what team's power ranking is not reflective of who they actually are? And this is going to be based off of, you know, week one and then this current um, slate of early games we just went through. Pat, you want to go first? Yeah. um, So we just watched the first round of games. And unfortunately, the Steelers got, in in my opinion, the Raiders ran all over them. Um, They didn't even have a running game, which is kind of, you know, ironic. But for the most part, the Raiders dominated the football game from what I saw. And According to CBS, they had the Raiders at 16. Um, and I don't think that's really fair. I think the Raiders are better than what we suggest. I think people didn't like Derek Carr for whatever reason. Assumed Henry Ruggs wasn't going to do anything this year. Assumed Brian Edwards was a dumb pick. Everyone's like, well, it's going to be Darren Waller. He's going to be the entire offense. And he is, except for the game against the Steelers where he literally did nothing. And the Raiders still went all over Pittsburgh's defense. Now, granted, Joe Hayden was out. TJ Watt got hurt. Devin Bush wasn't playing. But that doesn't matter to me because the Steelers are still a good enough defense that even with those guys out, they should still beat a mediocre team. And that's not who the Raiders are. So ahead of them, CBS had the Dolphins, the Broncos, the Ravens, who are probably going to be 0-2 by the end of tonight, unless you follow our puppy picks, which everybody likes the Ravens if you know they have a tail. Um, so I think that the Raiders were put a little bit low. And I don't think that's fair because I think people talk down on Derek Carr. And from what I saw, you know, he's not the best quarterback, but he's pretty competent and Henry Ruggs is actually a burner. And I think that the Raiders are going to have a really good team down the road. Yeah. I, I, I was one of the, the people who was very against Carr. I just, after watching him Monday night against the Ravens, every single pass was overthrown or underthrown. And, you know, I, I gave him some crap for that. And he, he just seems like a, a middle, he's the average quarterback, but I think he's kind of heard that way too long and he's upset as he should be. But to me, the difference maker for the Raiders is that defensive line with, you know, Max. And he's just an animal and the Steelers offensive line could not handle it. Um, they got in on the rush early. Najee basically went nowhere. Anytime he tried to run the ball, there were very few holes to go through. Najee seemed to make a lot of his work in the passing game where he scored that lone touchdown. Um, but other than that, the Steelers should have stepped up. So honestly, maybe the Steelers are a team we should talk about as far as, you know, not being up to their power ranking. But I, I agree. The Raiders are being underrated here. Currently, you know, looking at this, I'd put them above the Dolphins. I'd put them above the Broncos. Um, the rest, maybe not so much. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how these rankings change. And um, we are using CBS's power rankings, by the way. Um, I know every site does it a little different. but. That's who we're checking out here. And so for my pick, um, I'm going to go with a team who I think is overrated. And I I spoke about them in our very first episode. Uh, They're a team that I don't think is going to make the playoffs. And that is the New Orleans Saints. Now, everyone was hyped up about them as they should have been after they completely demolished the Packers. Their defense looked amazing. But they disappeared uh, against the Carolina Panthers and let – Sam Darnold, Christian McCaffrey, uh, and the crew just kind of take them to town. Jameis didn't really do anything. I, I believe like the last time I looked at the game, he was under a hundred passing yards or something like that. So look at, he got a hundred and eleven, no touchdowns, two interceptions, a 26.9 passer rating. So that is a problem going forward. The Saints need to decide who they are as a team. Um, but who they are as a team is not the number six team in the NFL. I would easily rank the Seahawks above them, the Bills, Packers, even though they beat them. I know that's probably how these power rankings are made um, by who beats who, which, I mean, sure, that makes sense, but it's hard to write off the Packers after one loss. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, just a comment to Sean Payton, you know, James Winston did outrun Taysom Hill, so 
I would like to say that Jameis Winston is the starter because even though he only threw for 111 yards, he still really rushed for 19 yards. So he does have that gadget type of playmaker ability. The Saints need a quarterback because they have nothing else going for them. But I do agree that there are a lot of teams like the Bills and the Packers and the Browns who are much better than the Saints in terms of like a whole team. Um, and they're not being given enough credit just because they have a loss or it was close than what it should have been. I mean, the Browns gave the Chiefs a good game. Like, I don't think that they, they should be punished because they're playing, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL. Right. Yeah, it's um, power rankings are a strange thing to begin with. Um, they can be pretty arbitrary, but those are definitely some misrankings there. So now we're going to run through these first slate of games. We're actually going to start with the Thursday night game um, where we had the Giants versus the Washington football team in, in a game that actually turned out to be kind of exciting. I was honestly going into it expecting low scoring. Uh, I believe we actually bet the under, uh, but it was an overall pretty good game. And it showed that Daniel Jones is actually the running back one for the Giants, <laughs> uh, which is a. A shame because of all the teams I have Saquon on uh, this year round. The, they just don't want to run them into the dirt. And sure, I understand, but come on, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I think that the reason that this game kind of worked is because you had two guys, and we kind of attributed this to Derek Carr as well, who kind of get like talk a lot of crap on. I mean, people didn't like Taylor Heineke. Um, you know, I saw him in Old Dominion throw for like a thousand yards and 23 touchdowns in one game. And I'm like, this guy's probably going to have a really good game in the NFL one day. And he did. Um, if you follow him on Instagram or anything like that, he has some pretty crazy lifts. So I highly recommend following him on Instagram because he's going to be this year's like starlet. He's going to be a future type of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's going to be that guy who just kind of shows up and plays really good football. And everyone's like, why don't we play him more often? He just ends up under the radar. Yeah, he, he he didn't look bad. I was really worried about um, Terry McLaurin going into this game because, you know, you, we know Fitzpatrick as a gunslinger, a guy who likes to throw to his wide receivers and no one else. And I'm like, oh, Terry's going to have a terrible game. He had 15 targets, 11 receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown. He, I, is he the wide receiver one right now? He is the wide receiver two below Cooper Cup at the moment. Yeah, and I, and I think that – you know, Taylor Heineke's performance showed you that you're not going to get anybody who's going to come in and flash you with speed or flash you with his throwing ability. And Taylor Heineke might be able to trip over the field more than he completes touchdown passes, but it's highly possible that Terry McLaurin is not going to really have any type of fantasy devaluation with Ryan Fitzpatrick out. Yeah, they stuck to their game plan, which seemed to be get the ball to Terry. Now, that might be because this was a bit closer than they expected, um, but their passing game was on point, you know, with Terry McLaurin and Maybe even more so with uh, J.D. McKissick. Um, as an Antonio Gibson owner, this was very annoying to see McKissick get all of the passing work, but that's what he's known for. Um, and he looked good, and he looked good sitting on my bench, which is really annoying, like I said. Um, but going to our bets for this game, um, I believe we only took Washington to win. Uh, we, meaning Pat and I, agreed on the bet. However, the model picked Washington to win. Under 40 and a half, which it was not, it was 59 total points and Washington minus three and a half. So, uh, you know, one for one for the sleeping with the numbers uh, host, one for three for the model. Yeah. And I think what we're starting to notice with our model is um, we're being not super lenient in terms of like the over and the under. I, I think when we are very close, we're within one point, and that's the majority of the time that the model picks. But there are just some wild games, and I think that that's something that people have to realize. Like, football's not a numbers game. At the end of the day, anything can happen, especially when you have a backup quarterback, and nobody knows what the game's going to do. I, and they probably projected the under because Taylor Heineke's never really played in the NFL, but who knows what's going to happen. I, I think down the road, Washington's numbers will – probably be adjusted and that won't happen again. Yeah, kind of looking into the mind of the model, um, the way I think about it was they see Washington with a fantastic defense who doesn't allow a lot of points to be scored. And then they also see the Giants, who is normally not a high-scoring team. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably how it decided on the under. Um, but it was a lot more even in terms of over-under picks this week, which is a good sign because last week in week one, I think it, we only had two unders or something mm -hmm. like that. Both of them hit, so yay. <laughs> um, but it, it was just kind of an over-exaggeration while, while betting this over. Moving on to the next game, we had a, a high-scoring shootout between 
Denver and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Denver won that game 23 to 13. Uh, looking at the points, Trevor Lawrence had yet another bad game, and I'm just going to already blame it on um, Urban here because he cannot handle quarterbacks. And, you know, maybe he should take that USC job. I'm, I'm sick of seeing him. Um, but Trevor Lawrence, 14 for 33, 118 yards, one touchdown pass, two interceptions, and he also rushed for 21 yards. And on the other side of the ball, you had uh, Teddy Gloves, uh, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, 26 for 34 for 328 yards, two touchdown passes, and one yard uh, rushing. So uh, we talked about it last week, Jerry Judy is going to be out for an extended period of time and we're like, okay, who's stepping up? We talked about kind of being worried about Cortland Sutton. You know, he looked like he um, was scared uh, coming off a, a, you know, a major injury that's completely understandable. But this game, he turned it up. He got 12 targets, nine receptions, 159 yards, no touchdowns, didn't need them. But he looked fantastic and it's easy to see why he was a number one guy. Um, before the injury and why he should be the number one now. Yeah, um, I think for me, you know, we have two leagues that we're both actively involved in. We have a keeper and a redraft. In our redraft, I have Cortland Sutton, and I picked him, assuming later down the road, as the season progressed, he'd be fine, he'd be healthy, he'd be the number one and kind of pick up the pace. And I'm glad that I started him today. He ended up in NFL.com scoring 20.4 points, and I was debating between him and Nelson Aguilar. So I'm like, the Patriots going to throw all over the Jets. Why would I not start Nelson Aguilar? And I'm glad I didn't because Nelson only had, ended with three points. And then my other option was Darnell Mooney. The Bears won, but he only ended with nine. So I think we're starting to see that even though Noah Fant contributed a little bit in Denver, that absence of Jerry Judy really puts a lot at Cortland Sutton's plate. And um, I do want to address a comment about Urban. I think it's unfair for you to say that he doesn't know how to handle quarterbacks because I think every Ohio State quarterback to ever come into the NFL has been highly successful, and Justin Fields will be the MVP next year. And that is 100% sarcasm. <laughs> I was going to say, okay, name one. Troy Smith. <laughs> no, Troy Smith. Yeah, Al Pryor. Sure. Who else? Oh, boy. <laughs> Kirk Herbstreit. Uh, I got a, a prior uh, story. So oh, okay. I have a, a good friend I work with now. Um, he went to Ohio State the same time uh, Pryor was there. And after they won the national championship, uh, Pryor went into his cell phone and texted every girl who wants to fuck the champ. <laughs> so, so yes. that type of guy that he is. So, you know, maybe it's a good thing he's not in the NFL anymore. Um, going to the model, going back to more professional things here. Uh, the model had Denver winning, which they did. Uh, they had over 45. However, they it was a 36 total point scored game. Uh, the model also put Jacksonville plus six and they lost by 10. So uh, perfect on picking the money lines, not so good on the over under spreads just yet. Next game here, a game that I believe when I talked about this, when we were going over the model picks, I thought this was a a horrible, horrible line set. I believe Buffalo was only three and a half point favorites. And that was just Absurd. Because of the loss to the Steelers, I the tanking of the numbers there is just ridiculous. So I'm glad that I personally took this bet. Um, that, that ended up very well. The uh, Buffalo Bills ended up winning 35 to nothing. Now, this is a game Tua did get injured, and they had to bring in the backup. And I can't even uh, – Jacoby Brissett, who went 24 for 40. So Tua got hurt pretty early. Uh, 24 for 40, 169 yards in interception, eight yards rushing. Uh, well, Josh Allen, Josh Allen really didn't have that great of a game either. 17 for 33, 179 yards, two touchdowns, uh, one interception, and you know maybe what bails him out is the 35 rush yards. Um, and you know, looking at these stats here, maybe a reason he didn't look so good for fantasy was because his running backs actually did some work. Uh, Devin Singletary, 14 attempts. 87 yards in the touchdown. Zach Moss, 10 attempts for 37 yards, so way less uh, um, effective there. But he got two touchdowns. So both of their running backs doing a lot of work, which is usually not the case there in Buffalo. Do you think that trend continues? I think for me, um, it's really going to be dictated by the game plan. I think what I saw with Josh Allen playing the Steelers was a guy who just what didn't have protection. I didn't think that anything was really off with him. Um, I know the announcers during the game wanted to say, 
Josh Allen doesn't have the timing that he used to have. He's not as accurate. Um, I didn't really see that. I saw a guy who was under pressure and he did his best. And the Steelers did a really good job of containing Stephon Diggs. Um, I think that if the passing game gets hit early for Buffalo, I think that Josh Allen's going to be hot like always. Um, so if I was in a fantasy football situation, which I'm considering doing in our redraft league, I'm going to go after Josh Allen right now because I think people are looking down on him and they're saying, oh, last year was a fluke. I don't believe that. Like the talent is there. Yep. Um, but when you're being the Dolphins 35 nothing, he's not throwing 50 times. Um, that's not realistic. He only threw for 33, which is still a decent amount. But for him, I mean, he's not going to throw 50 points in fantasy if he's only throwing 33 times. So yeah. I, don't, I don't see that trend lasting for very long because we know Devin Singletary historically uh, is decent, but he's not you know maintaining that type of workload. And, you know, maybe, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves because um, we'll, maybe we talk about it for the fantasy episode. But I, I think that's, that's a great target. That's a great buy low target. You know, I, I actually traded for Josh Allen this past week. I didn't go out and make this trade. The guy came to me with it. Um, so I ended up trading Austin Eckler and Kareem Hunt. I'm, I'm pretty solid at running back. I did not have a quarterback. Um, and he gave me Damian Harris and Josh Allen. So I'm... Pretty happy with that. Um, it makes my team overall better. Um, so I, I'm excited for that going forward. And definitely the Josh Allen owner is probably upset because you had to take Josh Allen in, what, the third or fourth round, something like that, to get him? Yeah, especially if, if Mahomes goes early. I've seen him go a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. like end of the second. But that's very rare. Yeah, so people are going to be panicking after two weeks of, you know, it's not killing you, but two weeks of uh, less than expected from Josh Allen. So. If you're in a league where you have a Josh Allen owner who's upset, help him out. Take him off his hands. Uh, so going through the model, this is the uh, same story. We hit the money line, Buffalo money line, over 48. Uh, did not hit. It was 35 all by Buffalo. So maybe if Miami wanted to play, it uh, would have gotten a little closer there. And then, of course, the Miami plus three and a half did not hit. Now, we did not take those bets. We thought immediately those were absurd uh, numbers. Um, but the model, you know, doesn't have that insight. Yeah, and I think one thing, I think if Tua would have finished the game, that over might have been a little bit more attainable. So I don't think that that's really fair to, like, bust the model on because it was 35 nothing. That's not really what was going to happen in its eyes. Moving on to the next game, and one that was probably a lot closer than anyone expected. It is the Cleveland-Houston game. So uh, Cleveland was 12.5-point favorites. We took, and I say we, meaning uh, the host here and the model, took Houston plus 12.5. So those double-digit spreads are usually ones I like to take for the underdog just because that's a lot of points. And these guys are professionals. Yeah, I mean, my, uh, Buffalo just blew out Miami, but there was a lot that had to happen in order – for that blowout to occur. We just talked about they lost their starting quarterback and Jacoby Brissett has never really been a starter that's going to lead a team to victory. Um, so, you know, you don't just predict injuries. It, it's a tough thing to do for most players unless you're, you know, Raheem Mostert. Huh. Uh, I need like a, 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 little a zing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but either way, um, this game was kind of full of injuries. There was a, a time where Baker... Uh, looked like he was not going to come back in. It looked like he he got landed on pretty hard, but he came back in. He had a great game, actually. He was very effective, very efficient. 19 for 21, 213 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But he didn't need to be great because he has Nick Chubb, who went uh, 11 for 95 and a touchdown. And that put them up. And, you know, when Tyrod was in there, Tyrod did get injured and have to be replaced by the rookie Mills. Um, it was a game. It was actually a shootout. It was going back and forth. But once the rookie came in, it was kind of a different story. And, and Cleveland was able to take their lead and win the game 31-21. Um, so, you know, we talked about it yesterday or yesterday, last week with Houston. Are they a legit team? I, I would say they're not as bad as what people assume. But are they OK when they're all healthy? I would say they're at least competitive. Um, and we talked about this as well as I thought that people were kind of talking trash on Tyrod and Tyrod is not great by any means, but it goes back to that Derek Carr conversation. Like 
if I'm a team and Tyrod Taylor is my backup quarterback, which in reality he is, Deshaun Watson is still the number one quarterback, even though he's not actually on the Texans in reality. Um, Tyrod's not supposed to be the starter. And Tyrod's still a good backup. So if I had him as my backup, I would not be concerned. Um, not great, but he's at least competent. Um, he did have you know a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown before he got hurt. His passer rating was 144. He went on yeah. 10 for 11. So like, and that's against the Browns. Like people want to make fun about the Browns, you know, but the Browns actually have a really solid defense. Um, so I think in reality, you know, the Texans are competent. Um, I don't think that they're going to you know, still go above 500. I think that that's still realistic, right. especially if Tyrod's out, because we know that Davis Mills is trash. No offense, but he really is. <laughs> um, I don't see, you know, Houston lasting without Tyrod, but with him in there, it's worth, you know, talking about if they can cover, which in this situation they did. Yeah, they've covered both games he started, and uh, I actually talked about it with Neil what, uh, when we were talking about prop bets. Tyrod came into this game with a better passer rating than, than Baker did. So, you know, that that does say something there. Um, but the Tyrod to, to Brandon Cooks, that connection is, has been fantastic. Uh, so if you picked up Brandon Cooks, you know, in those middle rounds, he's been a, a solid starter for you the whole way through. So model went three for three on this one. Cleveland for the win, but that was a minus 655 uh, odd. So we didn't bet on that because that is not, the risk is not worth the reward for those massive odds. Uh, Houston hit. Uh, to cover plus 12 and a half and then the over did hit there was 52 points which is over 48 so three for three there um happy with that next game we got uh another afc north team uh cincinnati Bengals against chicago and actually i did not see this final score this is kind of funny uh the last time i was looking chicago was blowing uh cincinnati out of the water and I'm actually kind of surprised by this box score here. So um, Chicago did win 20 to 17. And that means, I believe, let me just make sure in the bet, uh, that Cincinnati covered. Uh, nope, it was a push. So Cincinnati plus three was the line there. So got a push there. Um, no one really looked good in this game. Uh, it was kind of a defensive struggle on both sides of the ball. Andy Dalton went down, which allowed Justin Fields to come in, and he also did not look great. I don't think Fields did enough in this game to start the next one. I agree with that. Um, and one thing, you know, I kind of mentioned it earlier when we were talking about my debate over starting Cortland Sutton is, you know, Darnell Manning was a guy that, after myself listening to some other fantasy podcast experts, um, he's a high target guy um, and he has a really good opportunity to receive a lot of fancy points because he does get open very well and he did lead the team in targets with eight so i would say that if you're in a league where he's still a free agent you might want to grab him um because alan robinson who's a clear number one receiver only had four targets and 24 yards so i don't know if that's something that's interesting to a lot of people but for me those are the guys that i go after because if darnell mooney has one or two good games then he's trade bait at that point and right. it may not matter um, and you shouldn't have to really bid a lot on him because people don't know who he is at this point. Um, but I agree with you. I think Andy Dalton still should be the starter. Um, he did lead the game nine for 11 with a touchdown, which is a 118 rating. So Andy Dalton's a pretty decent quarterback. I mean, we saw it with him at the Bengals. And even when he played for the Cowboys, he's still competent. So yeah. I wouldn't rush Justin Fields just for the sake of, well, Andy got hurt. So like now's the time. You, you don't want to like we talked about predict injuries or hope that people are hurt for longer than what they need to so you shouldn't do that to Andy Dalton because I think what would happen is it would become another Colin Kaepernick situation mm. where you have a quarterback who Alex Smith deservedly should have been the starter when Colin Kaepernick came in um now granted Colin Kaepernick was a good quarterback but then you have this more more of a debate of who the star should be rather than doing the right thing and letting yep. the guy who has the spot and has no reason to get kicked out of that spot you know, just sit because he's not like the shiny new toy. Yeah, exactly. And uh, looking at the uh, news here on Andy Dalton, there really isn't anything new. He did leave with a knee injury. And as we know, knee injuries are always pretty scary. So personally, if he is not um, injured to the point where he needs to be sat, I would still start him over Justin Fields at the moment. I think Justin Fields obviously should be the future. Um, but I still don't like Ohio State quarterbacks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, looking at the stats here. So, like, you, you read off Dalton's stats. So, Fields, not good. 
uh, completed less than 50% of his passes for only 60 yards. Um, they kind of w- were able to lean on the run game here, kind of run out that clock. Whereas on the other side of the ball, they were playing, they were playing down. So Joe Mixon didn't have an uh, in- incredible game. He did okay, but he's steer- still the workhorse there. He got 20 attempts, um, only 69 giggity yards off of that. Um, but Joe Burrow did not look great, even though his looking at his wide receivers, they did okay. So he only completed 19 passes. Higgins got 10 targets for six receptions, 60 yards in the touchdown. He did fumble, though. Tyler Boyd got 10 targets for seven receptions and 73 yards. Jamar Chase only got four targets, caught half of them for 54 and a touchdown. So if you started any of those wide receivers, you were probably pretty happy in any type of PPR format. Um, Jamar Chase, a little lower there, but still not a terrible game by any stretch for those guys. And we slightly covered it, but just going over the model picks again, they picked Chicago to win, hit that one. They not hit the over 45. They only got 37, and we pushed on the spread. Another game here that maybe some people thought was going to be a blowout, but San Francisco versus Philadelphia. So this game was a lot closer than it was going to be on paper. Let's see what they were favored by. Um, three and a half. Okay. So maybe not that big of a a spread, but I, you know, I looked at this and I was a little surprised it was so close. Yes. The, the Eagles looked good last week, but they, who did they play? They played the Atlanta Falcons who, you know, are not that great of a team. And, you know, same can be said about, uh, San Francisco. They played Detroit. That game should not count at all when you're trying to rate these teams. Now, the big takeaways for this game was the run game for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. We know Mostert is out for the season. Elijah Mitchell somehow ends up the guy to go, and he got hurt. Jermichael Hasey got hurt. Trey Sermon got hurt. Everyone got hurt. So there is a curse in San Francisco if you are a running back. And Elijah Mitchell did come back. He was the only running back to come back um, from these injuries. So I, I don't know what to expect from their run game going forward. Yeah, and you know, just to kind of add to that, Jimmy Garoppolo ended the game with 11 carries, which is kind of ridiculous for a quarterback when you think about it. Um, Especially him. Yeah, I, I think if you're looking for the 49ers to kind of be that possessive team, which we kind of talked about how Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback, but he's not going to get 400 passing yards in a game. He's going to have two or 300, be really consistent. They're going to run the game. It's going to be a well-balanced attack. That's not going to happen anymore. I mean... And if I'm, you know, on this train of trying to pick up guys for fantasy football, I'm looking at, I don't know, Debo, if he's still available. Jermichael Hasey ended the game with four receptions, even though he's hurt. Um, if you can get a wide receiver for the 49ers, they're going to be throwing the ball. And I, and I think that that's going to change how the model sees things, too, and how people project the over-under. Because San Francisco went from a team that, you know, isn't really like a high-powered offense. They're good. Um, they have a good defense. They can dominate the game. But... If there's no running game, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a scrambling quarterback. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Lamar Jackson. So they need to throw the ball or they're basically going to run nowhere. We kind of saw it with the Raiders today. When your star running backs out and they say, well, you know, we have Peyton Barber. It's going to be fine. It wasn't fine. They ended the game with like 10 rushing yards or whatever it was. That's what's, that's what's in store for the 49ers down the road if all those guys stay out. Yeah, and that's a scary situation for them. And, you know, as you say that, is Jimmy Garoppolo just a younger Philip Rivers where he cannot scramble, but he'll chuck it down to like a Austin Eckler every play and happily do that? I <laughs> Um And another thing that happens here with the wide receivers, uh, Debo digs his feet in more as the solidified um, wide receiver one for the team, at least while Jimmy is still the starting quarterback. Brandon Ayuk is just gone. He got two targets, one reception for six yards. I don't, I don't know what's going on in the wide receiver room. Shanahan sounded upset with Ayuk. He's like, oh, he needs to play better than the guy behind him. And I don't know what that meant because the guy behind him is Trent Sherfield. And I don't, I can't say that he's better than Ayuk. So I don't know if he did something um, off the field or in the locker room. Shanahan just mad at him. But there is no other wide receiver to own except for Debo. Um, even Kittle did not look great. Uh, four for four. Well, okay. 
He looked good. He was not looked at. Uh, Jimmy just wasn't go to him. All the targets went to Debo. Yeah, I think going forward, until something changes in San Francisco, if you're looking at betting overs or any type of offensive props, um, I would avoid San Francisco entirely until they show something else. Because right now, you have a team that's probably going to win. So if you want to do money line, then great. Go ahead and pick San Francisco because they're a great team and they have a good coach. But don't touch anything over or anything like that because right now the offense just seems like it's all Debo Samuel. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, Jalen Hurts, uh, not a great game passing. Uh, it's a little harder when you're not playing against the Falcons. He went 12 for 23, 190 yards. But as we all know, he makes his fantasy points through his legs. He rushed for 10 times for 82 yards in the touchdown. He also got uh, a target. Oh, yeah, they tried to do the Philly Philly special. It did not work. It was it was actually very poorly executed. Um, but either way, you're going to start Jalen Hurts for fantasy, and that's kind of the only conversation we have to have here about uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. No one else really looked good. Devonta Smith, who had an amazing game last week, got seven targets for only two receptions. So rough, rough there. Um, most of that blame is probably on Hurts. Uh, not being accurate with these balls being thrown, but there's no one else you want to touch on this team for fantasy. So looking at the bets we had, uh, the model had San Francisco winning. They did. We had under 50 that hit uh, only 28 total points scored, but they did have Philadelphia covering, which they did not. Uh, We really needed that field goal there at the end, but they could not make it. So two for three there. Um, that's not bad. We'll, we'll, we'll take that. So another game here that we, we slightly touched upon when I was talking about uh, the Saints and, and how their power ranking of six is not accurate. Um, so the Saints lose to the Carolina Panthers in a divisional matchup 20, uh, seven to 26. And nobody on the Saints looked good. They, there's not a single player for fantasy in the double digits here. Jameis went 11 for 23, 111 yards, no touchdowns, but three interceptions. He did get a rushing touchdown that gave him, you know, his only points here, uh, 9.34. Taysom only got two rush attempts. Kamara did nothing. Eight attempts for five yards, uh, seven targets, four receptions for 25 yards, and that's it. There is nothing else to talk about here. It was a slaughter. Um, and I don't know what happened to their defense, Pat. I mean, there's some fantastic talent on the Carolina side of the ball, but New Orleans comes in here off a big win against Green Bay, arguably the highest-powered offense in the league, and they shut them down. Is, are we saying Carolina has a better offense than Green Bay? Yeah, you know, I think that we talked about Green Bay being a fluke last week, and I think that we saw from the eye test that, you know, it, it was just a fluke. Um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is done. I don't think Devontae Adams is the worst receiver in football. Aaron Jones deserves the extension that he got. Um, I do think that, you know, at the end of the day, the model will be right, you know, because we had Green Bay minus 10.5, Green Bay winning the money line in an over 48. I think the only thing I'm concerned of is the over because I do think that, I was concerned with Green Bay not doing well, that it might be a closer game than what we think. And we know the Lions offense is good, but we're not really sure if it's real or not because, what, 40% of the passing attempts went to the running backs, right. which is kind of crazy. Um, so I'd like to see how that game plays out. But I do think at the end of the day that the Packers are better than the Saints. Um, I think that they just had a bad game. And at the end of the day, we'll find out that the Saints are mediocre and will not make the playoffs like we predicted. Um but going to Carolina, something I just read that's kind of interesting. Carolina has outscored its opponents 33-0 in the opening half. Wow. So I think the thing that we really need to talk about is, is Carolina's defense really yeah. good, or do the Jets and Saints suck that bad? I Yeah, I, I'm completely fine saying that the Panthers' defense is good. You know, uh, whenever they were losing... Uh, who, it was a guy that Luke, Luke, Luke Kegley, yeah. whenever he retired, everyone thought that was the end of their defense. And, you know, they had a little bit of a struggle getting back. I mean, that guy leaves a big gap in your defense. And then you have a coaching change. Um, you bring in the, the coach from Baylor, who's pro- probably more of an offensive guy than a defensive guy. 
And, uh, you know, you do struggle for a bit, but they look absolutely in sync. You, you said that about their offense. And I think the same can be said about their defense. And look, again, looking at the offense, uh, they have weapons. They have a lot of weapons. Christian McCaffrey, who we all love. DJ Moore, obvious wide receiver one. Robbie Anderson didn't have a big game, but he's definitely a threat. They bring in the new rookie, Terrence Marshall Jr., um, who, who looks good for a rookie. You know, I don't think anyone expects uh, explosive numbers from him right off the bat, but he, he looks like he can grow into a great um, wide receiver. And then at the head of it is Sam Darnold, a guy that, you know, we kind of keep giving praise to. Um, you and I talked about how we wanted him here in Pittsburgh. Uh, I talked with it Neil yesterday about how Neil's like, yeah, I wanted him to come to Pittsburgh and be the guy um, once Ben retires. So I think Carolina might be a, a threat going forward if they keep this going. Um, they have two, you know, the first one it was against the Jets, uh, revenge game for Darnold. But this was the real proving ground, and and they did it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see at the end of the day if Carolina or the Saints are the number two team in the South, because we know that Tampa Bay should be the outright number one. Um, but I think Carolina's making a good case to be the number two. It's not going to be the Falcons. We can say that. Where's that bet? <laughs> we can bet on that right now. Um, so looking at the model, uh, model had New Orleans winning. They obviously did not. They had over 44. There was only 33 points scored. Um, and then they took New Orleans to cover three and a half. Also did not happen. So 0 for 3 on that one. I think, um, I don't know why. And I said it in a Reddit post that, the model just gets a, I called it a statistical hard on for some of these teams. And I don't know. I, I do know. It's because the model bases everything on historical data. They look at last year quite a bit. Um, and of course, last year, New Orleans with Drew Brees was a very high scoring team. Um, so the model kind of thinks that. And that's why please use this model just as a tool to help guide you. Um, don't look at it as an end-all, be-all, because it is not that. It's not meant to be that. It's meant for us to discuss, and, and that's what we try to do with these Reddit posts and everything. Um, so over three there, um, our biggest hit of the day, uh, you know, other than this next game we're going to talk about, the Steelers against the Raiders. So the, I have nothing to say <laughs> about this game. We'll make this one quick. Uh, Steelers <laughs> looked bad without TJ Watt. Defense didn't do anything. And Joe uh, Hayden. Joe Hayden, yeah. Uh, Bush was also out. Um, so, rough game there. Raiders' defense is fantastic. I, I can't say enough about their defensive line. Max Crosby is a real deal, and I'm kind of upset I didn't look at him for a, a possible uh, defensive player of the year. So, I, I think one thing that I noticed during the game, and you may have some input, is Chase Claypool bad, or is Hayward Jr.? that great of a cornerback because oh, what I saw was a guy who is over six five if I remember um who's supposed to be the super athlete who would jump up for the ball and he just kind of floated in the air and Hayward just kind of come in and just it wasn't even a fight. Yeah. And he, I, I just don't know if Claypool was in the, if he had a bad game or if he's just really not as aggressive as he needs to be with the type of body that he has. He needs to press Y. You know if you if you're playing Madden you press Y that's the aggressive catch. And he's not doing that. He's very he's going up trying to finesse it into his hands. He needs to jump higher. We know he has the vertical to do it, but he also just needs to latch on to the ball because the way um Hayward was getting it out of there was just by sticking his arm between uh Claypool's arms and just like karate chopping it out of there. And and Claypool just didn't hold on. He needs to bring it to his chest. Um He's a big dude. He needs to be able to overpower these defensive backs. Yeah, and something else like that I kind of noticed as well with this team is, you know, when Oakland got hot, like they stayed hot. Like, and and I think we talked about this earlier. Like, they don't need Darren Waller. Like, I think everyone wants to say Darren Waller is the offense, but Darren Waller did really nothing. And we saw that Brian Edwards showed up, Hunter Renfro showed up, mm -hmm. the running backs didn't show up either. But Derek Carr made found the open guy, which is all you need from a quarterback in this situation, especially when you're playing against a team that's missing three of its star players. Yeah. Yeah. So Raiders looked really good. 
I don't know what their schedule is going forward. Yeah, so looking at the schedule for the, I keep wanting to call them the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, they have the Miami Dolphins next week. That's that's a win for them, right? Should be, especially if two is hurt. Week after that, they have the LA Chargers. That one will be closer. I I would expect the Chargers to win, um, but that will be close. Then they have the Bears. I think they win that game. They have the Broncos. I think they win that game. They have the Eagles. I think they win that game. Giants, yep. Uh, Chiefs, nope. Bengals, yep. Cowboys, probably not. Um, e- either way, the point I'm trying to make here is they have a pretty easy schedule going forward. And did we overlook them as a possible playoff pick? I think we might have, um, because I think we assumed that the Chargers should win that division. Um, and the Chiefs, or not the Chargers should win, but the Chargers and the Chiefs should be one of the two teams. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Raiders do make the playoffs, it'll be as a wild card. I don't see them trumping either two of those teams, but like we just said, their schedule is kind of ridiculous when you look at it in terms of like the first two games, what we know now. Yeah. Um, and if Josh Jacobs actually comes back healthy, that kind of concerns me for the fact that the Raiders are balanced. Like we talk about this, like teams that have good balance, like the 49ers, um, they don't have to be the best players. Like Jimmy Garoppolo is not the best quarterback, but they're a really good team. And that, I feel like that's sort of the, what the Raiders will become, um, especially now that it seems like Henry Ruggs is getting his act together and that he's being competent. And, you know, they kind of gave them crap for drafting Brian Edwards and not using him, but he looks really good now. Um, he had a touchdown called back against the Steelers, but, I mean, he should have two touchdowns in two games. So Right. Big touchdowns, too. Important touchdowns. And they weren't, like, easy touchdowns. Like, yeah. they were good plays. So, I think that that shows that the Raiders are at least on the path forward and that they will be playoff contenders next year, hopefully to get some running help. But, I mean, I think that we did overlook them a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, maybe once we get our halfway mark, um, maybe we go over these teams again and see what happens. Um, so, looking at it fantasy-wise, Derek Carr had a great game. He is third on the week at the moment with 24.18 points in this is standard scoring, not not uh, no PPR, half PPR scoring. Uh, Kenyon Drake also had a, a decent game. He got eight points, but, you know, you said it at the beginning. They didn't really have a run game without Josh Jacobs. Um, pass game looked good. Rugs looked great. Got 20 points, 113 yards in a touchdown. Um, Brian Edwards should have had a touchdown, but only ends up with three receptions for 40 yards. So five and a half points there. Hunter Renfro, probably the more PPR guy, uh, five receptions for 57 yards. And then the, um, Darren Waller was actually the tight end two, um, for the team. Foster Moreau getting that touchdown and, and jumping him in points 10.4 to nine. Now on the Steelers side of the ball, Ben very, Mediocre, 28 for 41, 295 yards, one touchdown, one interception for 14.8 points. Najee finally got on it this game. I think he looked weak in the run game, and that is definitely a blame on our offensive line. But in the passing game, he looked great. He got six targets, five receptions, 43 yards, and a receiving touchdown. So I think he looked great, and he can. I, I really think it's just up from here for him. Yeah, I agree. And one other guy that I was impressed with in terms of, you know, watching, you know, playing aggressive, that's kind of what we knocked Chase Claypool for was Juju. Like he yeah. didn't really do anything, but the catches that he did make were Heinz Ward-esque in terms of like, it's not a great catch, but he's going to bulldozer over you. And I saw that. And that makes me feel, you know, promised that the Steelers still do have a balanced passing attack. It's not going to be deep bombs and Claypool the whole time or little screen yeah. passes to Deontay. It's going to be a well-balanced, like you have every level of the field as an option for Ben. Yeah, you you can say what you want about Juju, but he does play with heart. Um, and it, it's obvious he cares about the team. He wants to get a win, um, a Super Bowl win for Ben before. I don't think either one of them are here next year. Uh, I think that's fair. Yeah. So going to the bets, model took uh, Pittsburgh minus five and a half and to win, neither of those hit. Uh, us as a host, we only took the over 47. That also did not hit. They got 43. So, you know, we just needed that one more touchdown from Pittsburgh, and we would have got it. Uh, or even that Brian Edwards touchdown. You yeah. know, we would have, if we're going to lose, you know, run up the score. That's fine. Hmm. 
So I only think we got a couple more games here. We have, uh, nope, one more game. One more game. We have the LA Rams versus the Indianapolis Colts. Um, With your favorite quarterback, Carson Wentz. That's right. Who, how'd he do? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I just like to pick on you. I didn't yeah. like think about before we started. <laughs> all, right, all right. 20 for 31, he 247, did okay. 101. Yeah. Competent. He did good for fantasy. Uh, for an NFL quarterback, I, I don't think he, he was great. Um, they had to bring did he he got hurt for a little bit too, so maybe that that's why. Um they had to bring in Jacob Eason, who was awful, even worse. He went two for five, 15 yards in an interception for negative four points. So luckily no one started him. Hmm. Uh so uh for this game, let me find the uh spread. It was coming into the game, LA Rams minus four, uh Colts, uh Plus four point underdogs over under 47 and a half. And of course, the Rams were favored. And looking at this game, I think I talked about it briefly. Um, I was a little surprised that uh, the Rams were not bigger favorites after how they played last week. Now, yeah, Sherry was against the um, Chicago Bears. But overall, I I was shocked it was only a four point spread. Um, I don't know if you felt the same way. I kind of wasn't because I think people. Have already hyped up Jonathan Taylor and Nahi Hines as like this super duo because we talked about it. like last year Jonathan Taylor was good, but this is it's a much different offense when you have Carson Wentz as your quarterback versus Jacoby Brissett. And not saying that Carson Wentz is the greatest quarterback of all time, but what I'm saying is like now you actually have a quarterback who can pass the ball, um, and it doesn't rely as much on those running backs. Um, so you know Jonathan Taylor had another poor game. He ended with 51 yards. So I think that the reason that you know, the spread was as close as it was is because I think people are still waiting for the Colts to kind of come out and like break out and like Carson Wentz is back and, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to run for 200 yards and that's not really what's going to happen. Um, so, and I think that people deep down don't trust the Rams because sort of the opposite. They're like, well, Daryl Henderson's like the third running back in reality. And I don't want to say it. I took him and I made comments about this in our previous podcast but he did end up with a touchdown Tony Michelle did have 10 carries which is a little concerning I said to handcuff him if you did you're probably doing the right thing because this is probably going to be a tendency from now on but you know looking at the model I mean I I think that the Colts are still a good team it's just can everything come together it seems like when one thing's working the other's not because Michael Pittman had a great game but Jonathan Taylor did not yeah it seems to be one or the other here and it was a competitive game, so maybe that's why the wide receivers kind of took over here. Even though, was it was it last week that they their uh, targets were all to the running back room? I think of Detroit. No, you're you're correct. Um, I, I think the Colts were almost you know a, a fair amount of targets to between Taylor and Hines. It was sort of the same yeah. concept as Detroit. Yeah. So interesting here, you know, we'll, we'll talk fantasy here uh, for a second. So l- last week it was all Zach Pascal um, and Pittman did absolutely nothing. Now Pittman comes in and he gets 12 targets, eight receptions for 123 yards and looked really good. Every time I turned on the game, it looked like he was getting the ball. So it might be one of those games where, or one of those teams where it, it's just flip flops between who is the wide receiver one, who's the wide receiver two. And it's hard to start one guy here. I, I don't know if it's like a flip a coin, but is the are the Colts a team that can sustain both of them in terms of fantasy? I don't necessarily know. So I look back at that previous game, and Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines led the team in targets, seven and eight, respectively. Um, it looks like today, you know, Michael Pittman had 12, Jack Doyle 8, Zach Pascal 6, and then everybody after that was – Two or less, um, and I, I didn't watch the game, so I'm not going to try to talk out of my ass. But what I'm, I'm assuming the problem was is that Michael Pittman was having a really good game, and Carson's like, "Screw it, we're going to do this." And then Jacob Beeson came in, and Jacob Beeson didn't want to play football. So, <laughs> what I'd like to say is that I think you're right. I, I don't think that there's going to be a, a person on the Colts that we're going to pick. Yeah. Um, and if you have Jonathan Taylor, I would be highly concerned at this point because it's one thing to have one bad game. But to have two in a row where you're less than 100 yards and you're considered an elite running back, which I don't know why he was considered elite because he only played one year. Um, it's a little bit of Saquon yeah. Barkley part two, maybe in terms of, you know, what people project him to do. Yeah, that that is a concern. And 
you know, when I was mock drafting and everything, he always went, you know, in the first end of the first, um, bare, rarely made it to the second. And that always surprised me. I never took him. Even if he was available, I would take quite a few guys over him. I took, uh, I would take, uh, Aaron Jones over him. I did take Barkley over him. Um, the Chubb, I think all of those guys are, are better assets to have on your team than Jonathan Taylor. Not I, Jonathan Taylor was my favorite running back coming out of the draft, you know, two years ago. Uh, that being said, the Colts offensive line was supposed to be a lot better than how they're performing. And it, it's kind of showing at the moment. Also the split with the passing work going a lot to Hines is, you know, problematic. Yeah. And one thing going to the other side, um, again, we talked about is Robert Woods or Cooper cup, the number one Cooper cup, 11 yeah. targets again. Now Robert Woods had nine, but it's just kind of weird. Like you said, it seems like Matt Stafford and Cooper have this mm-hmm. thing going on that we kind of weren't expecting because it used to be opposite world whenever Jared Goff was at the helm. Yeah. You know, Goff's probably a little jealous there. Uh, Stafford coming in on this boy. Yeah. <laughs> did you keep Cup? I did not. Unfortunately, okay. I chose Stephon Diggs, which I think will pan out in the long run. But, right. Um, I really, looks great. I really think I should have, and I kind of regret that, but, it's, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So that's going to do it for all the games on that slate. Um, we'll just give a quick update here on, on how these games are going right now. I'm pretty sure we already hit the over for the Minnesota-Arizona game. It is 30-31. to 31. Yeah, they're Arizona, playing flag football right now. <laughs> they're just letting them go. Well, they must be because A.J. Green scored a touchdown. Oh, boy. So they let the, the old broken guy you know, get one in there, let him uh, get pushed in. So good for him. Uh, so, uh, the other games, we got Atlanta, Tampa, Tampa Bay at halftime. Tampa Bay is leading 28 to 10, and I believe they're covering, uh, 10 and a half. Um, Dallas and the Chargers, Dallas is currently winning, which is a bet I took, um, 14 to 11. That's also at halftime. Seattle getting the leg up on Tennessee as they start the second half, 24 to nine. And then the other games we have left for primetime, Kansas City, Baltimore, and Detroit Green Bay. Please check out our puppy picks uh, for those. You can find those on uh, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, we now have a TikTok. Uh, what is the TikTok, Pat? The TikTok, I'm going to pull it up because, you know, we are trying to, you know, get with the times and hang out with the cool kids. It right. is just sleeping with the numbers. Um, you can find us because it is only videos of dogs and now one video of Dylan setting up his computer. So oh boy. <laughs> we are trending in terms of, you know, what is the hot topic on podcasts? Um, yeah. And we all have very cute dogs. So I think if you like dogs and, you know, unlikely picks, because I will say that my dog picked the Lions to upset Green Bay tomorrow. Oh boy. A little bit shocked, but she is currently <laughs> undefeated. That's right. She is doing better than the model. So what we really need to talk about <laughs> is do the dogs know everything? I, I think they might bet. And, you know, they were currently um, undefeated going into this, but all the dogs pick someone different for these upcoming primetime games. So some. Someone has to be wrong. Um, unless there's a tie, maybe they'll they'll all be right. Um, so yep, check us out there. Uh you can also find us on Twitter at SWTN underscore podcast, on Instagram at Sleeping with the Numbers. We have a website, sleepingwiththenumbers.com. We have all of our bet picks there. I post DFS lineups there, uh three free every week. Those also go on our Twitter if you just want to find them there. And we're also on Action Network. Uh, all the links will be there. There's a link for the model itself, the li- a link for um, it, the Sweatin' Podcast, which is the bets that Pat and I agree on. And then Pat and I each have our own Action Network that you can follow. Um, so we will see you next time. Take care.